the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the Bible, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit descends on Gentile believers as Peter is preaching to them. This raises many questions among the Jewish Christians. We'll pick it up in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Once again, that's Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, these Gentiles, and those of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The Holy Spirit, it's almost like he says, Peter, I want to make sure nobody mistakes this. They don't have to be circumcised. They don't have to be baptized. They don't have to keep the law. They don't have to keep the Sabbath. They don't have to do all these things. I want to make sure you understand right now that they have listened to this point that you've made, that if they believe on him, their sins will be forgiven, and they've done it. I give him my spirit. That's it. That's it. Jesus plus nothing. Praise God. (laughs) Peter yet spoke the words. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. The word there, heard, it means to listen and conform to what was heard. This was the moment as he was speaking when he said, all you got to do, you got to believe and you'll be forgiven. And at that moment, they believed. It would make no sense to point out all that heard because all obviously were hearing Peter's voice. They're all gathered in the same spot. So if all he is saying there is that they physically heard, that makes no sense to use that. While he was still preaching, some were already embracing faith in Jesus. And on these, God poured out his spirit, even though Peter wasn't done. (laughs) Now, real quickly, this verse is often used to show that it's okay if the gift of tongues interrupts preaching to give us a special message from God. But there's two things I think we need to notice about this text here. Number one, this isn't a church service. It's not a church service. This is one man going to share the gospel with a bunch of people. It'd be very similar to our H4O team going out to share the gospel. This is not a church service, okay? And remember that the purpose of the gift of tongues is not to give us a message from God. If someone says, I have a message from God in tongues to you, and then they ilio shundai and untie my bow tie for you, that is not from the Lord, okay? The Bible says that the gift of tongues is prayer or praise to God. That's what it says. I didn't make that up. That's what the Bible says. He who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak unto men, but he speaks unto God. So we don't need a special message to interrupt the bad preacher. It's prayer and praise being poured out to God. 
You know, Paul rebuked the Corinthian church for having disorderly services where it concerned the gifts. There is this idea that the Holy Spirit is only moving if there's chaos. If things aren't planned, if things aren't structured, then that's how you know the Holy Spirit's moving. No, the Holy Spirit is one of order. He's a God of order. He's the one who inspired this. The Bible says in 1 Peter, it mentions that he filled the sails of those who were writing the scriptures for us. He's the one that guided these things to be written. And so if he guided these things to be written in such a way where he says, let everything be done decently and in order, then I think that's what he means. That's his heart towards it. And that's how we can recognize him. Now, when this happens and these guys just start speaking in tongues and worshiping God, the Jewish believers who came with Peter, they are blown away. It says, those of the circumcision which believed were astonished. The word there means to be shocked so much that you're overwhelmed. They're almost just like, how can this be? They were shocked because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is the one rare occasion in Acts where we find the baptism of the Holy Spirit occurring almost simultaneous to salvation. These Gentiles received Christ by faith as Peter preached, and then Jesus baptized them in his spirit. Now, it's possible the Lord did this so quickly so that none of the Jewish believers could dispute their conversion, these Gentiles' conversion. Maybe that's why the Lord did it that way. I don't know. But upon seeing their shock, Peter turns to them and he's like, in verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then answered Peter, and he turns to these guys and he goes, um, this changes everything. Could any of you come up with an objection to baptizing these guys? He turns to me, he says, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we have? Ah, are you with me in this? <laughs> he doesn't want to do this alone. He knows he's in trouble already. And so he looks at him and he, can you think of any reason, any objection that we can't water baptize these guys, that we can't treat them like brothers and sisters in Christ without doing any of the Jewish stuff to them? And when no objection comes from the other six believers, because there can't be, Peter tells them to get water baptized, verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, it doesn't tell us that they did do it, but the text seems to indicate they did get baptized, water baptized. And afterwards, it says they prayed or asked him to tarry with them for certain days. <laughs> Peter, can you hang out? We want to learn more about this Jesus, learn more about what it means to be a Christian. And Peter's probably got to be thinking, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> I'm in so much trouble. Mom's going to disown me. It's, it's over, you know. But why not? He's already gone so far, right? Why not be all in? They're brothers and sisters now. They have the same spirit. Jew or Gentile doesn't matter anymore, as mind-blowing as that would be to Peter and these six other guys with him. Peter's been staying with all the other believers in the area to disciple him, right? Why not stay with them? And so he does. Chapter 11. Here comes the hammer. And the apostles and the brothers that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. News travels fast, right? But had to though. Nothing like this had been done before. Nothing. This redefines everything. And not everybody is happy about it. Verse two. And when Peter was come up, he comes back to Jerusalem. They that were of the circumcision contended with him saying, you went into men uncircumcised and you did eat with them bad, Peter. <laughs> now, all of the Christians in Jerusalem were Jews, 
So when it says here, they of the circumcision contended with him, it could either mean that everyone criticized him, or more likely it means those who were really zealous about keeping the rituals of the law. But this is an important conversation Peter has to have with them. Because if the church goes the wrong route and they overrule what Peter did and they require Gentiles to become Jews before receiving Christ, then it just turns right back into legalistic Judaism and the freedom we have in Christ is gone. Gone. See, the idea of Gentiles coming to God was not something completely foreign to the church. But the idea of a Gentile coming to God, coming to Christ without becoming a Jew first, now that, that is going to be a bone of contention. That is going to be a problem. And so they come to him and they do that. They contended with him. The word there means to criticize, to express disapproval. And it's in the imperfect tense, which means he was hearing this criticism over and over for a while. Multiple people were coming to him and saying, Pete, okay, can we talk brother to brother? Pete, you know, I love you. You're, I wouldn't say this to you if I didn't care about you. I, if I wasn't worried about your walk with the Lord right now. Pete, I heard that you went and you had dinner with Gentiles. You went in. <laughs> you went into men uncircumcised and did eat with them. How dare he cross the threshold of a dirty pagan sinner? Oh, wait. <laughs> Minus the pagan part, isn't that what they were? Turn over to Romans 2 with me real quick. Romans 2. Paul addresses this horrid mentality in Romans 2, verses 3 and 4. And you can read more of this section to get some context to understand what he's addressing here. But in verses 3 and 4 of Romans 2, he says, And do you think this, O man, that judges them which do such things, and you do the same, that you shall escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? You went into uncircumcised Gentiles. Yeah, and that's the only thing different from us and them. So let me ask you the question. Why do you get to get saved just by faith without having to keep the law? And yet you make them want to do something. That's going to become the chief argument that's going to be had by those within the church who see what God's doing and say, yes, Lord, we want to embrace what you're doing. And those who say, I don't know, I just can't deal with it. That's just too different. That's just too crazy that God would want to do something so different than what he's done before to reach these people. And so verse four, Peter begins his defense of why he went to Cornelius' home. It says, but Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them. I mean, he doesn't leave anything out. He gives them the, every nook and cranny of these details. And he starts off and he gives five objections, five reasons, defenses for why he did what they would think would be undoable. And he starts off and he reminds them, number one, God gave him a vision. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance, I saw a vision and a certain vessel descend as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered the idea he pondered. He saw all these creatures on here, and he realized that the four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls were there. He realized there were animals there that were unclean. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered into my mouth. I've been a good Jew. But the voice answered me again from heaven, what God has cleansed, that do not call thou common. 
this was done three times and all were drawn up again to heaven. So first, uh, God gave me a vision. That's why I went in. But number two, the Spirit told me to go. And behold, immediately there were three men already coming to the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me to go with them, nothing doubting, no complaints, no objections. And moreover, these six brothers accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. He says, first off, God gave me a vision. Second off, I did it because the Spirit led me, and I was careful to bring witnesses. In Egyptian law, seven witnesses were required to completely prove a case. In Roman law, seven seals were necessary to authenticate important documents. That's very important when we get to Revelation chapter 6, when we get to the scrolls with the seven seals. It's very important, but we'll get to that sometime in the next seven or eight years. Seven men were there to witness the occurrence of this event, to authenticate, to prove God had done this. Not only that, an angel sent these Gentiles to hear him speak. Peter says, what's my idea? Verse 13, and when we entered this guy's house, it says, he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said to him, send men to Joppa, call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. I've never met this guy in my life. And he said, an angel came to him, told him my name. This wasn't my idea. Who shall tell you words whereby you and all your house shall be saved. This is what the angel said. I did it because God gave me a vision. I did it because the spirit told me to go. And an angel sent these Gentiles to come hear me tell them the gospel. Fourthly, Peter says, Jesus confirmed their salvation by baptizing them in the spirit. Verse 15, and as I began to speak, I didn't even get done. And he says, the spirit, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning, the same way. And at that point, Peter says, then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. In Matthew chapter three, verse 11, you can write it down and read it later. But Matthew tells the story of when John the Baptist was preaching and they were asking him, are you the Messiah? And he said, no but there's coming one after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to tie. And it is he who will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So here we see all three members of the Trinity are involved. God gave him a vision. The spirit told him to go. And now Jesus confirmed it by baptizing these Gentile believers with his spirit. So verse 17, Peter gives his last objection. And I love this. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, was I, that I could withstand God. I don't think so highly of myself that I think that I can know better than God. I don't think so highly of myself that my way of doing things is going to be the perfect way and that God doesn't sometimes want to break out of that mold. Peter says, for as much then as God gave them the same gift, the equal gift is what that like gift phrase means, the equal gift that he gave to us who believed. He says, that's how we got saved, guys. We got saved because we believed. Why should it be different for the Gentiles? I wonder if some of them, as he said those words to them, if they didn't recall John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I wonder now if those words started to take on rich meaning to them. Who was I that I could prevent 
Withstand means to prevent or hinder God. It's like Peter saying, what did you expect me to do? Fight against God? Peter, his last defense is, I refuse to stand in God's way. And sometimes that's one of the best things that a believer can do. I refuse to stand in God's way. I refuse to get in the way of what he's doing. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, maybe they're different than I am. But you know what? I refuse to stand in God's way. I still remember when I first had planted the church in Sanford and we had a group of people, about 12 folks. And I remember one Sunday morning, I looked out and looked out at those 12 people and I just had a chuckle inside. I said, Lord, you would never ever get any of these people in the same room under any other circumstance. Never. Never. They were so different. There was not a single thing in common. And here they all were hugging, embracing, laughing together. And, you know, it was during the Greek time and I was sitting there with my guitar and I was just thinking, wow, this is amazing. Lord, you do awesome things through your love. And we are no different. No different. Peter, this brash fisherman who often tried to stop Jesus from doing things, he had learned that that response never ended well. And he said, finally, I refused to get in God's way this time. I stood aside. Yeah, I did. I refused. I stood aside because this is what God was doing. Let me ask you a question. Do you get in the way of what God's doing by going against his direct commands? You don't understand. If we do this with our kids, it won't work. You know, I know my kids. God knew your kids before they were your kids. Before they were formed in the womb, he knew them everything about them. And understanding that he gave all the commands that he gave about parenting in his word. Well, you don't know my wife. You don't know my husband. You're right, I don't. But he knew them before time began. And he gave us the precepts that he gave us in his word. God knows best. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Look at their response. Verse 18, I love this. The church accepts that Jesus is Lord of all. When they heard these things, they held their peace. They remained quiet. They stopped bugging him. And they glorified God, saying, then has God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Simplicity. That if they'll just turn from their sins and put their faith in Christ, they can be saved. The awesome truth of the simple gospel message. (laughs) Praise God, they're open to correction, right? Are you? I want to read you a few Proverbs before we close. I have one other set of scriptures. So if you want to turn to Galatians, I'm going to read a few Proverbs to you and then we're going to close with Galatians. The Bible has a lot to say about correction. In Proverbs 6, 23, and I'm just going to rattle these off very quickly. It says, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Proverbs 10, 17, he is in the way of life that keeps instruction, but he that refuses reproof errs. Proverbs 12, 1, whosoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he that hates reproof is brutish. That's a very kind translation. The word means stupid. Proverbs 15, verses 31 through 33 The ear that hears the reproof of life abides among the wise, but he that refuses instruction despises his own soul. But he that hears reproof gets understanding for the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. Do you receive correction? 
Nobody likes being told they're wrong. Who wakes up in the morning and says, I want somebody, I want a bunch of people to tell me how wrong I am today. We don't, but we need to hear it. It's words we don't like. It's the feeling we don't like. I don't like feeling like I'm inadequate. I don't like feeling like I, I don't do a good job. I don't feel like somebody thinking I'm not doing my best. Yes, put all the ego aside. Let down your pride. Honor before it can come requires humility. Humility. Well, things are getting crazy in Acts, huh? A revolutionary concept. One church where race, nation, and cultural background doesn't matter. And yet, it's interesting to see how the devil likes to stir up old prejudices from time to time. And so if you're in Galatians 2, look at what Paul the Apostle has to say about Peter here in verses 11 through 24. This is after, many years later. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, that's the Lord's brother who was the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, before these guys came up from Jerusalem, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, these brothers up from Jerusalem, he withdrew and he separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision, fearing his Jewish brothers that they would critique him for hanging out with Gentiles. Peter had come up to Antioch and he was having a blast, eating dinner with them, hanging out, just enjoying their company. And then these guys come up and he stops hanging out with them. Verse 13. And the other Jews were there at the church of Antioch. They dissembled likewise with him. They stumbled in this as well. Insomuch that Barnabas, he says, also was carried away with their dissimulation. He was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter in front of them all, if you being a Jew live after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, then why do you compel the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? (laughs) You know what I've heard? Those who are leaders get corrected in the open more because their sin has more of an effect negatively on people. And we had seen that Peter's sin had a negative effect on the church there at Antioch. And so Paul the apostle withstood him in front of everybody. But Peter had seen a vision. He saw the spirit fall on the Gentiles. And yet what happened? He fell back into old ways, didn't he? And that means that any of us can be susceptible to unloving behavior or partiality with one another. As we close, let me ask you a question. Who have you shied away from recently because you're concerned what others might say? Maybe a young lady who has gotten pregnant out of wedlock. Or maybe a couple who's not exactly living as they ought to live. Who have you shied away from lately because you're concerned what others might say? The Bible has much to say about how we're to treat one another. In fact, even it says someone who's stumbling, Galatians chapter 6, you can read it later, it mentions that we're supposed to reach out to people who are stumbling. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's our job. To carry up the slack when someone else is hurting, to carry up the slack when someone else isn't doing their part, not to write them off and cut them off. Philippians 2, we read in our scripture reading, and I'll leave you with this. He says, if there therefore be any consolation in Christ, is there any Comfort in Christ that we have? Any encouragement that we have in Christ? Is there? Yeah. Is there any 
comfort of love? Do we have any comfort from the Father, any encouragement from him? Yeah. Any fellowship in the Spirit? Yeah, we have that. If any bowels of mercies, then fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Jesus is Lord of all. Of the people around you right here, he is Lord of all. And if Jesus is your Lord, then you don't have the option of treating others with partiality. Let's pray. Jesus, you are our Lord. We stand no better. I stand no better than any other person in this room. And therefore, Lord, we have no excuse not to love one another. Lord, we desperately need an outpouring of that kind of love. Even now, as you've touched our hearts and maybe put your finger on a relationship, maybe that's strained or, or one that we've forsaken or maybe someone that we've kind of cut off because of past hurt or sin or maybe our own shame. Lord, we humble ourselves before you right now. We want to make it right. Fill us with your love, we pray in Jesus' name. In Galatians 3.28, it says that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The family of God is incredibly diverse, and when your identity is in Jesus, God sweeps away all of the other dividing lines and unites us in Him. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando, you can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.